Sure, get them on all the platforms you can get them on. Great, build your business on Facebook. Use YouTube, become a, you know, a little titan in, a, in, in that area. But if you forget, are you a real estate investor looking to sharpen your skills or a newbie looking to become one? You're in the right place. Welcome to Where Should I Invest? Real Estate Investing in Canada with your host, Sarah Larvey. Welcome back to another episode. I'm Sarah Larby and you are listening to Where Should I Invest? Today's guest is James Birchhill. I actually met James when I got into his smart car for the very first time. We were actually shooting a show called Coffee Confidential, which uh, was actually really interesting, really fun. Basically, we drive around with coffee in our hands and we talk about passive income. And uh, in my case, it was real estate, but there's lots of great guests with different uh, forms of income that, uh, that get to sit and talk about how to create that passive income without trading your time for money. And that's actually what we talk about on today's show. And I hope you enjoy it. But basically, I, I will say that, you know, you guys are listening to this, you're listening to this because you want to create a different source of income to be able to be free from time, not having to spend the time with a job, with making somebody else rich. So, you know, think about ways that you can create your own passive income, that you can make things happen for you, your family, and take some of that control back. And James is really good. I mean, he's been teaching how to create courses, how to create the passive income so that you can, over time, leave your job. Now, real estate is definitely one of those ways. There's other ways as well, as you guys will see um, in here in the show. And uh, I will say James is, is, you know, I'm a little bit envious, but he was my inspiration for, for many times where I was looking and he was like out in like Florida or he was like enjoying, he goes away for like a month or two out of the year. And, you know, one of the things when I used to have a job, I was like, wow, like, you know, I, I want to be able to have that type of freedom where I can work from wherever and, and, you know, is it really work if you're enjoying it and you love it? Probably not. So I will say that creating side hustles and creating passive income is going to be critical in freeing ourselves and freeing yourself from that nine to five, from having to be somewhere specific. And of course, at some point, we'll be able to travel again and not have to quarantine for two weeks when we come back. And, you know, I hope you enjoy life and I hope you can enjoy it and say, you know, I've built passive income. I've built courses. I've built different types of um, income streams where now I'm not relying on just one thing. So as you guys know, of course, I have my real estate, but there's other income streams I think is important. I also loan out my money as a different income stream, for example, as well, and a few others. So, you know, have more than one or two different income streams because you never know when one is going to stop or change and you will, you will need to uh, make sure that you've got other ones to help carry you through. So on that note, guys, I hope you enjoy today's podcast with James Burchill. James, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. I'm uh, super excited to have you on. Now, I met you back maybe a couple years ago in your car, in your smart car, when you were hosting the Smart Car Coffee Confidential show. And I had a super fun time and was really excited to speak to you about uh, creating income through real estate. But you are 
the side hustle guy. You are the creating passive income. And so for those people listening to this that don't know who you are, can you give us an idea of what it is that you do? I've been kind of hooked on creating, well, now predominantly digital products, uh, information uh, products, since I was quite young when I sort of started getting paid for writing uh, articles and then getting royalties from that and then software. And so these days I, I sort of, I still create courses. I still create software, pretty much anything I can turn into a digital product that will yield some kind of recurring um, sort of annuity is, is what keeps me interested. Awesome. So basically as a real estate investor, if you're looking at creating courses, for example, and, you know, monetizing in different aspects of more than just the, the cash flow and the um, appreciation and mortgage pay down from real estate, but just creating different things that you can monetize in different streams of income. Is that right? Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, the, the thing that a lot of people get, if they're thinking about courses, a lot of people shy away from them because they think it, you know, who, who am I to teach? It's the imposter syndrome. They think, you know, um, it has to be big. I mean, most people's experience with anything educational was either, you know, college and school. And, and the way that that information is, is taught to you is not the way that adults learn. It's not the way that we want to be taught. Most of the time, we, we don't want to spend four years learning something. That was kind of how we had to do it before. Now we want something that we can consume maybe in 90 minutes or an hour, two hours. Now, I'm not saying you can learn brain surgery in two hours, but you can learn to solve one or two problems in that kind of time frame. And people look for what we call, or I call sort of short courses or quick courses that are practical and tactical. So if you were talking about real estate, it might teach you, you know, how to sort of set up your bank accounts properly, or it might teach you how to put together a Rolodex of all the right people, or it might teach you how to manage a small portfolio, or at least how to set up the information structure so that, you know, you, you don't feel overwhelmed by all the information and keeping track of things. It, it doesn't have to be massive, but it does have to be meaningful. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think that's one extra thing under your tool belt in order to retire early. I mean, you know, I'm, my actual last day of, of the job world is October 1st. And, you know, real estate was super helpful, but it's additional. And, you know, it's not just about having the real estate as the only source of income. I, I think you've helped me a lot too with some of the courses, putting that together and monetizing it. So it's like, okay, great. I've replaced my income and the real estate helps a ton, but it's additional streams of income of different things that you can do. And some are more hands-on than others. So I think that's really smart. Now, question for you, because you've had many guests on your show, uh, Smart Car mm. Coffee Confidential, and, and this is what you do. Um, but, you know, somebody listening to this saying, okay, you know, I want to get started. I want to get started to that next step for retirement or to be able to re replace my income. And I've got a handful of properties. I can teach some things. Like what's the next step for them to try to monetize even more? One of the first things I'll tell people is, is write down what, write down what you're good at, write down what you love, and then write down what you've identified people are looking for. And what you want to do is find the nexus or the crossover point of all three. Because if you can do that, you've actually found something that people are willing to pay for, something you actually enjoy doing, and something you have the knowledge to teach. So it's, it's really, it's a piece of paper and a pen, and, and start scribbling. And again, try not to get in your own way about thinking, well, who, you know, who am I to know, you know to teach this? Again, you only need to know about 10% more than the person you're teaching, because we're all on a journey. I mean, I know an awful lot about an awful lot of little things, and I know nothing about everything else. So I, I, you know, I've always said to people, I'm an expert in, in sort of a niche that's like an inch wide and make 10 miles deep. But beyond that, dumb as a bag of hammers. 
So it's like, <laughs> try not to, you know, try not to be overwhelmed by it all because just because somebody's brilliant at one thing, I mean, they're brilliant at everything. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Hey guys, I just want to take a quick moment here and pause the podcast to introduce you to one of my favorite contractors, John from Blackjack Contracting Inc. And he has been serving the Niagara, Hamilton and Brantford areas for the past three years and has become the area's legal basement suite renovation specialist. He works with many investors that I know and some newer investors, some more experienced investors, and he converts single family homes into multiple units, as well as my favorite strategy, the Burr strategy. So he's well-versed in those as well to make sure that we can achieve the maximum value of the property and the maximum ARV. He has also completed over 100 units from Brantford to Niagara Falls, and everywhere in between as well. They do everything from permitting to the design to the final cleaning before listing our rentals for rent or for sale. And he's also a fully licensed electrical contractor. He's certified with ESA and he will take jobs of all sizes. So no job is too big. He's done a complete guts really from the ground up. So super impressed with his work and what he's been doing for fellow investors that I know as well. So if you wanted to reach out, his website is blackjack contractinginc.ca and you can ask him whatever questions you have. You can also reach out to him Instagram, which is at Blackjack Contracting Inc. And like he says, he knows that investing feels like the biggest gamble of our lives. So when you have Blackjack on your side, the house always wins. I will also add that there is currently a ban as of April 4th on new permits. So he will still actively work to the law's extent and actively work with investors to get projects planned out for when the ban is lifted. So that way you're not necessarily waiting and waiting and waiting. So guys, 100%, I recommend Blackjack Contracting. I will say that finding the right contractor is sometimes a hassle and getting a good one that works with investors that understands the numbers is going to be critical in our success, especially when doing the birth strategy. And now back to the show. Yeah. And you know, the other thing I would also add is it doesn't have to be like real estate courses, right? So like if you've got like a full-time job and you are really good at cooking, which I am not right, but you want to, you know, create some really fun things online and some courses on like how people that don't know how to cook can get started. Like I'm just giving you an example, but, but you can monetize that and it doesn't have to be about real estate. You can keep doing your real estate and find something that you're passionate about. Like you mentioned that you're good at yeah. and, and teach that. Right. Oh, absolutely. It's funny you mentioned cooking. I was, um, I was looking around online recently. I'm working on, a, I'm always working on courses. I'm, I'm always writing stuff. And I came across um, an announcement of a, a fairly new course creator. So I think this was either their first or second. And it was this lady that likes to cook. And she, I like to cook too, but she likes to do desserts. And in particular, I think it was candied apples. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. Anyway, her first course, you know, she apparently did something like 23,000 US selling nice. a short course on how to make candied apples. And I'm sitting there going, I'm in the wrong business. I have to go <laughs> for a different niche. You know, I teach tech and, and how to sort of, you know, uh, streamline your time and stuff using software. But yeah, there's, there's so many niches. I mean, honestly, follow your passion, like match up with, a, with the problem. And uh, you're usually, you know, usually on solid ground. Yeah, absolutely. Now, one thing that I've always admired about you, and unfortunately, I was hoping to copy you this year, but it's not going to happen, is you always go away in the coldest months of the year <laughs> and, mm, and get out of this cold weather. Yeah. 
not not so much now. However, you know the the passive income and what you've created has allowed you to to get there. So let's take a step back and and walk mm. us through. Maybe talk to us about how you, you know, started off and created that passive income and and how that all came about. Well, when I was a young boy, my parents moved around a lot, and so this is the mid nineteen seventies. And they bought me a computer. Uh, my parents at the time were fairly, you know, well-to-do because buying a computer in the seventies was extraordinarily expensive. Um, and I got my hands on a computer and I started programming and writing because I always wanted to be a writer and uh, I'd always wanted to be a programmer. And I kind of see them as two things, just slightly different versions of each other. And I started writing stuff. And of course, I didn't know what I didn't know. And, and so I think I was, I think I was seven or eight at the time. <clears throat> and um, I started submitting my rather childlike submissions to newspapers. And I was printing these things out and sending them off. And then one day somebody turned around and it sent me a, a check for like 150 pounds. Back then that was a fair amount of money. And I just remember thinking, oh my gosh, somebody has just, I've just turned a thought into money. That was what occurred to me at that point. And then um, not long after that, uh, I think it was nine, um, I sold software. I started selling software and I, I started getting paid these recurring payments because of this thing called licensing and, and royalties. And I'm, it just blew my mind. It's like, hang on a sec. Thought through my fingers into something and then people keep paying you. And then I got really, really hooked on the idea of work once, get paid forever. This concept of there's no such thing as truly passive income because you've, you've still got to look after it. Mm-hmm. But the idea that you can invest a lot of time and energy up front, kind of put it where it needs to be. And then for you know months, years, many cases, many years, it just keeps kicking off income. You know, it's nice and steady. It might fluctuate a bit, but it's, you know, that's the way it works. And being um, fascinated with this idea, I thought, okay. And I put all my heart and soul into something really big and it just tanked. And I thought this was, so it was soul destroying, right? And so I thought, well, this is kind of silly. My chances of hitting one out of the park are slow or, and low. So then I realized I needed to start creating small and fast and fail fast. So I started thinking, don't think in terms of creating one, think in terms of creating 10. Then if you throw 10 out there, one or two catch, away you go. And that was my strategy. I, I, I immediately dialed everything back. I stopped, stopped thinking huge. And I started creating these small, rapidly producible solutions focused on writing and I focused on software and anything digital and that's what kind of got me going and then of course I fell into a technical career for the last 35 and um, I've been playing around in that ever since either writing courses or writing books or teaching anything to do with words and you know how you can play around with them whether they're in a computer or otherwise and, and that's really what got me started and as they say the rest is, is history. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Hey guys, just want to take a quick moment and introduce you to a key member of my power team. Dylan Suter is my realtor who's been working very hard to find me amazing deals. And Dylan, I'm a big proponent in working with realtors that are investors. And Dylan is truly an investor. Welcome, Dylan. And thank you so much for being a sponsor. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I want to first thank you for having us as a sponsor. We're really grateful to be working with you and all of the support you've given us over the past couple of years. So thank you so much for that. 
And our focus as Elevation Realty is to focus our attention primarily on real estate investors that are looking to replace their active income with a passive income and go enjoy what they like most, such as time with the family or up at the cottage, whatever it may be. So what we do is we focus our attention on creating a plan specific for each client, whether that is something they want to have five properties in five years and be able to sit on them for 10 years and then sell them and retire on the, the equity. Or if they're looking to scale their portfolio and retire in the next 12 months, we can look at doing that as well through joint ventures or Airbnb short-term rentals. We can talk through buildings, buy, renovate, refinance, single family purchases, and the list goes on. That's awesome. Now, Dylan, if people wanted to reach out and get help from you, where can they go? They can check us out online at www.elevationrealty.ca, E-L-E-V-A-T-I-O-N, realty.ca, or they can email us at info at elevationrealty.ca, give us a call or text at 905-592-4220, or check us out at The Right Club or other meetup groups that we're usually at as well. Amazing. Thank you so much, Dylan. It is awesome working with you as always. And now back to the show. And now back to the show. That's really cool. You said a lot of things. I have a lot of questions, but as you're going through this, I'm thinking, okay, what are you doing with these courses? Like, where are you putting them? How are you getting that traction for people to find you? I mean, just starting from scratch, right? If somebody was to to go out and, and get started, how does that even happen? Well, it's incredibly noisy out there and every day more and more people are going online and because we've democratized publishing, um, I mean, I came from a publishing background as well. I still am in publishing. You know, publishers used to control the world. Now they think they still do, but they don't. The reality is that we all do and we can publish pretty much anywhere. User generated content. I mean, YouTube is a platform of user generated content. So what you need to do is get clear on your message and start looking around. But more importantly, you're going to find people collect on certain online channels talking about the problem that you maybe have a solution for. And so you can find places where they hang out. Now, the thing you want to do is you actually want to give before you ask and you want to listen before you speak because the arrogance of information is that we think we know what people want especially since we know we're creators. And the reality is most of the time you're wrong. So usually it's tread lightly, listen, pay attention, go find the groups that have the problems, do your research. It doesn't take very long and then sort of sit back and then begin to be useful. And then they will welcome you in. And at the same time, you can start broadcasting on general purpose channels. You know, like I love YouTube. I mean, YouTube is the second largest search engine in the Western world. And I say the Western world because when you go out towards the East, YouTube and Google, they're like itty bitty little dots compared to the right. Asian market. Right. So focusing for us, um, it's massive. In fact, one of the nice things about YouTube is if you actually start typing in the, the kind of problems that you're sort of helping to solve, it tells you all the things that people are searching for. And you get massive traffic if you get it right. Mm-hmm. I mean, until about a few months ago, I had the number one video on YouTube for how to make, uh, how to make a video out of PowerPoint. It's like racked up over half a million views. Nice. <laughs> I mean, so do you boom. monetize? Do you monetize from YouTube right now? I do. How, how does changed, that work? It, so it used to be that you, you had to have um, a certain amount of um, viewing minutes. And then uh, a couple of years ago, a, a somewhat well-known social media bad boy went and filmed something and posted something on YouTube that was against their rules. So YouTube cracked down and said, all right, fine. And they punished him and a lot of other people, myself included, and they demonetized me and they took away my 
along with like thousands of other people, they took away our rights to, to monetize until we hit a new bar. So the new bar is this, you have to have a thousand followers on your YouTube channel and you have to have over a certain number. I think it's a 4,000 hours of viewing time a year. Now, my problem wasn't the viewing time. I was getting 40,000 minutes a month. So I was way past the requirement for viewing, but I'd never bothered to worry about subscribers. So I think I had like 250 subscribers. I was more interested in being found and watched rather than trying to you know, artificially jack mm -hmm. up my count. It took me a year to sort of systematically grow the remaining 750. And I get about 100 to 200 subscribers a month now. It's not huge growth and this year, that uh, we're recording this has been a slow year for many, but um, yeah, it's still chugging along. Actually, I just broke two and a half thousand. That's not a huge number by any stretch of the imagination, but you only needed a thousand to, to monetize. So, yeah. So, so what do you want to, like, is it just ads that you can put in there and then they just pay you what, is it per click or just per? It depends. You can put a whole bunch of different ads in there. Um, you really are going to get rich off it. Like for every thousand views, I think it's like, uh, something it ranges between three and ten dollars okay. they'll pay you so you know um i think my videos right now uh getting around fifty thousand views a month so you can do the math it's not a yeah. lot, like a couple hundred it's bucks. not what brings you to you know a warm country every single year that's yeah no, it's, that it's one of many things <laughs> uh, that's the thing right mm -hmm. if you if you try and let's just say worst case scenario you become super successful on one thing it's the da most dangerous thing out there because all of your revenue is coming from a single source. It's, there's a, there was an old story I was told a long time ago, and it said if more than 20% of your revenue comes from a single source, that source controls your future. If they turn the spigot mm -hmm. off and the money stops, you are done. So I've always been about multiple streams of passive income, some coming in, some going out, some growing, some shrinking. I don't like losing them, I mean, but it's the nature of the beast. Some grow and some die. But if you've got a diversified portfolio and bits and pieces switch off and switch on, it doesn't hurt. If mm -hmm. you've got it all in one basket and you lose the basket, that hurts. Yeah. I mean, it's like you see these people that are like super famous on Instagram, but you know, they may not have a website as an example. So they're not capturing any of that stuff. And at some point when Instagram is no longer as you know, relevant, that's you know, let's, let's hope that they have enough enough at that point in time i mean like or you see some people that have like this awesome youtube show and then where else can mm -hmm. you really find them and they're monetizing youtube but you know again i mean hopefully it keeps going and it keeps growing but things things change and, and you, you know well technology always evolves oh well that's the that's the only constant technology so the joke is the only constant is change um and it, it's, it's literally always changing and the advice has always been, and this hasn't changed in over 25 years when it comes to, you know, publishing, digital publishing. I mean, I've been in this since the internet was officially uh, declassified and then made it a public platform in 1994. Um, prior to that, it was a military, uh, mm. anyways, the military project. But the thing is that if you're some, if, if you're on somebody else's platform, you're essentially a tenant. And unless you own the platform, you really are a tenant and they can choose, you know, in some cases, they just change the rules. In some cases, the government changes the rules for them. The, the number one piece of advice was always get someone's email address. And now the advice these days is get someone's email address. And if you can get their mobile phone number, get that too. Sure, get them on all the platforms you can get them on. Great, build your business on Facebook. Use YouTube, become a, you know, a little titan in, a, in, in that area. But if you forget to capture an email address or, and or a phone number, 
the day that that platform decides to deplatform you or it goes away or someone you know heavy leader in another country decides for instance they're going to ban a social media platform TikTok, for instance this yeah, year that one true. still on a, on a knife edge that could just go away overnight mm-hmm. um what do you do well if you've got an email address and you've got a list you've got essentially one of the most valuable assets out there because what most people don't know about an email list is that every name on your list is worth depending on how you monetize it um somewhere between i think it's uh hang on let me just do the math right i think somewhere between one and a hundred dollars per name per month now i know that's a wide range but each name is worth something to you so if you've got an email list of a few thousand people and it's weren't one dollar a name you should be making at least a couple of thousand bucks a month in recurrent revenue and if mm-hmm. you really know how to structure it you should be making many thousands of dollars a month every month on autopilot which is why people go after email addresses yeah right. social media i don't care well, it's, it's just one of those extra things, right? I mean, if, if somebody is listening to this thinking, I'm going to do a course, and it doesn't have to be on real estate investing, it could be on anything that they're good at, and they start capturing mm-hmm. though, that, that audience, right? That whether it's mm-hmm. on a website and you've got like a freebie that they can download as an example, I mean, that's yeah, a great exactly. way to capture an email address. James, I don't know if there's anything else that you can think of. I mean, I'm not the expert into this stuff, but. So that, Chatbot Forge, hence the t-shirt. Is a, is a new company I started this year. Again, it's in software. And my business partner and I, we are developing um, artificially intelligent powered chatbots. So same stuff as before. It's all about marketing automation, but now we've got these chatbots. Well, the nice thing about chatbots is those things are on all these different platforms like Facebook Messenger, for instance, or um, oh, I'm blanking now, Telegram and you know all the other major platforms. The nice thing about it is you don't need to work as hard to get contact information from anyone because all the information tends to be kindly collected by the social media platform and it requires a few clicks. You don't even need, technically need to ask now for them to type stuff in. So capturing information is even quicker, even using QR codes, even using audio clips. And, and it's just so easy to start stitching this stuff together to get the contact information. So you can begin to have a conversation with people. Again, that's key. You, you want to talk to people. You don't want to sell them. Nobody likes to. Was it? Nobody likes to be sold. Everybody likes to buy. Yeah, I mean, you've got to. You've got to figure out, like you said in the beginning, like what is their need, and then you've got to mm-hmm. put in your deposits and put in the, your deposits. I mean, the first like, I don't know how long I was doing my podcast. I was just doing my podcast. Like I, I actually started my podcast, not even with a plan of monetizing it. I was just yeah. like, there's not a whole lot of Canadian podcasts out there. I need to start throwing some out. And then, you know, by providing the advice, I think just people will will come for different reasons, right? And I, I've got students from it. I've got courses that were created from it. I've got, you know, podcast sponsors. And that's great. I mean, it wasn't the goal of doing it. Maybe it should have been from the beginning. I could have done it more efficiently. Actually, but. It's probably why you're successful. Because if you follow the money and you think, what's the thing that's going to yield me the best money? And all you do is that. People aren't stupid. We can feel when something has a passion or a commitment or an authenticity behind it. I mean, there are many things I've done in my life where if I'd done it more ruthlessly or more laser focused, I'd have made more money, but I wouldn't necessarily been as committed or as happy, Right. you know, and, and you creating a podcast. I mean, I've made, I've done podcasts. I've done things like, you know, the show. And in the beginning, like you, I created it with absolutely no expectation of anybody really liking. I kind of started it for me. And the first couple of episodes, you know, I probably had one or two people. It was probably back then, it was a few friends who felt sorry for me, you know, paying attention. But with time, people are so used to flashing the pans, right? So when they catch, catch wind of somebody, they're like, yeah, right, here comes another, you know, hot shot. But 
if they see you keeping, you know, consistently investing in, in the area and you keep doing what you promised, see, authenticity is huge, but I think a lot of people really, really respect integrity and that sort of consistency where it's like, wow, that person's actually doing what they said they were going to do mm-hmm. with no expectation. It's not like they're doing to get, give right. with no expectation. It's, it's very endearing. Yeah. And I think that comes, I mean, like I, so I've been in sales for the last 10 years, but ironically, I really mm-hmm. hate being like, I feel like I'm being sold. Right. I hate that feeling. Like I hate the hard sales pitches. Like, so I think <laughs> with, with all this stuff, I kind of almost did like a 180 and just didn't want to sell anything for the longest time because I hated it being done to me or feeling like it was done to me. But, but I think like mm-hmm. over time you, st- so I think one of the biggest hurdles I had to realize is you know, it's not about like selling per se. It's just about helping and figuring out what the needs are. And then if you have a solution that makes sense, then why not help? Right. But it like, it, it was definitely a, a big too hurdle. Many, to too, many, yeah, too many salespeople try and manipulate you into, into something. And they tend to forget that, um, you know, consumers have a cooling off period. We have the right to, you know, to, to cancel a deal or do certain things. It depends where you are in the world. But to your point, you know, nobody likes to be pushed. We like to be drawn in. I mean, but everybody, I know you say you don't like being sold to, but yeah, I'm curious. How, like, I mean, I've been to stores and I've met salespeople who aren't what I would call traditional salespeople. They're like storytellers or you walk mm-hmm. in and then suddenly you realize, wow, this person really, really knows what they're doing. And the next thing you know, you're just enjoying the entire experience. And you end up buying whatever it was you were looking for. And they made the whole right. thing a joy. And you walk out there going, that was it. That was great. Like, Mm-hmm. it's the antithesis of that horrible kind of slimy scummy feeling where you feel like somebody's just kind of manipulated you into buying something and you know it's just yeah you know the difference like, between it you know what it, it was for me like I, I was on a lot of like when I was first learning right like I was on a lot of webinars mm-hmm. I mean maybe same thing with you or like meet it meetup events and all it was yeah. was sales pitches I'm like I never want to be that person mm-hmm. that has like one main goal that you can tell I mean like I want to just be able to educate people and, you know, it, I was always, and same thing with my real estate, it's always the long, the long-term play, yep. right? And, but it, it, it took me a, a while, probably in the past two years, I've gotten better, but it took, it took me a while to like, even, to even think, to put something as a course, right? To put some, but, you know, ultimately I'm happy that I did it because I, I believe that I've helped people, you know, meet their yeah. goals. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. A lot of people go, well, if I don't help like a thousand people or 10,000 people, then I'm a failure. It's like, well, hang on a sec. Where'd you get that idea from? I figure if I can change, if I can course correct someone, just one person's life with teaching them something so they avoid some pain or some hardship, then it was worth it. Now, of course, I like the fact that when you create these things, they're incredibly scalar and extraordinarily leverageable. Like on one of the channels where I publish, which is Udemy, um that's a an interesting channel unto itself and a podcast well unto its own right it's all about that but i've got something like thirty-two thousand students in the last five years and each and every one of them in some capacity has benefited from some of my training and i don't take that lightly i I, cool. I always i've always felt that teaching or or coaching or counseling or giving anybody advice on any subject was actually more about the individual who's listening giving me something rather than the other way around i've always felt that it was an honor to be able to advise and coach mm-hmm. it was it was more of a it was it was more of a thank you i, I always felt very grateful for it because yeah. 
Yeah, no, you know what? And I agree. And, and being able to help students buy their first investment property or, you know, put better, you know, systems and processes under their, their tool belts, make better connections. I mean, like that is really cool because at some point, you know, this is horrible, but like buying the next house is not as exciting as buying your first or your second or your third, oh, right? Like once you get to a certain amount, it, it's just like, okay, what else is there? But it's cool to see, I know, right? Yeah. But it's cool to see like somebody that's getting into it or really like developing some new processes or getting that first like investment property. Like that actually is way more fun for me at this point in time than like my next you know, my it's, next it's like, uh, it's like that, that high you get when you're first learning and you get all excited. I remember the first time I wrote a piece of code and, it, and I compiled it all and it did exactly what I wanted it to do. It was just like, yeah, you get that real high. And then after you've written, you know, millions of lines of code and you've developed, I don't know, you're still happy that it works, but it's not the same. So when you start mm-hmm. teaching someone and like you say, and they have that moment where you see them get excited and they get that little high, you can kind of sort of it's it's almost you're benefiting or you're getting the same thing through them what's the word for that it's um i don't know i can't remember right now but excitement by uh, association yeah, <laughs> i don't know it, i just made that up <laughs> that's that's a good explanation it's you know it, it's great I, I enjoy watching it that's the part i like it's when the lights come on you know and they yeah. go ding and they get it and you're just like yeah, no, it, it is. It is cool. It's definitely rewarding. I mean, it's, you know, more exciting for me to, to see other people, you know, exceed at it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, you know what, I started seven years ago, I'm here today. But you know, somebody starting today can be, you know, even further than me in seven years, as an example. And that's, I mean, it's super yeah. exciting to see the progress for sure. Oh, so, exactly. It's, it's, time is a flexible construct. Um, and it, it's completely dependent on the individual, the way they spend their time, what they do, what they don't do. I mean, like you said, it took you seven years. Some people are like, oh, I can never do that in seven years. Well, maybe not. Some might do it in two, you know, and, and some might do it in 17. I don't know. It, it doesn't matter just so long as they do some of this, like create these things that support their future. Because if you really do rely on a single source of income, you are pretty much guaranteeing at some point, I guarantee someone's going to take that away from you at some point in your life. And it's going to take you many months to get back on the horse. And if like mm-hmm. most people, you're sort you know, servicing debt and you've got, you know, life expenses, it's going to drain any reserves you've got. And if you're lucky enough to have reserves, great. And if you're not lucky enough to have them. Yeah. I mean, it, it's be. important to diversify, right? So, I mean, most of us mm-hmm. have our real estate investing portfolios, whether it's short-term, long-term rentals, yeah. et cetera. I mean, you know, flipping and then separately, I mean, even if you're just starting, like, I, and I want to go back to that idea of cooking, like, I would love to, like, like, just even learn the basics, right? So boiling an egg, that's actually quite tricky. <laughs> but, you know, at, at the end of the day, it, it helps with the ups and downs, right? We don't know what's going to happen in the market, the real estate market, as an example, but it's nice to have, like, mm-hmm. an additional, you know, few sources of income from different things. And it may not be real estate related, but it's just that other, like, tool in your belt or income mm-hmm. from a different source that you can have so that you can quit your job sooner and uh you know and and live a little bit more passively so that's really cool i have a long i, I mean i'm i'm not knocking jobs because i i've had plenty and i think they're great but i remember a long time ago you just said job and i remember what somebody told me job stood for yeah i know just right just over broke, broke. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's not fair, though. But I mean, it's, uh, I mean, I've got, I've got lots of friends who've never done sort of an entrepreneurial thing in their life, and they have put in their time and they've saved their money. And, you know, they retired, and they are just 
laughing. They're like early in their fifties, the house is paid off. You know, they're getting a nice chunk of change showing up every month and they're like, yay. And now they're actually kicking off their side hustles. And one of them I know is actually um, wants to do something creative. So they got into creating dolls and toys and they, they taught themselves through YouTube, no less. They went out and bought themselves a sewing machine and away they went. And it's, you know, they're not, um, they, they haven't made a ton of money yet, but I, I think uh, somewhere between five and $10,000 in their first year, which was enough to pay for a really nice vacation. They I didn't mean, need the money. Uh, that's awesome. And side hustles, I think, are the way of the future. I mean, right now, look at how many people lost their jobs, unfortunately, or on unemployment. And we don't know what's going to happen, right? Down the road, I mean, nope. you know, even in five years from now, we could have something else like this happen. So it's just important to diversify, to be able to say, like, I don't have just this one source of income coming from my employer, but I can take control over some of this on my own. And you can do it while still working yeah. full-time hours. Actually, I'd like to say one thing about that as well. And that a lot of people go, well, I'm going to need thousands of people buying whatever. And it's actually, no, you don't. One of the things they used to say on the internet, and it's changed actually in the last few years because everything's changing so quickly. They used to say you only needed like a thousand people uh, in, your, in your contact list and you'd be set for life. Not a thousand every month or a thousand every year, but a thousand in total. And the reality is, okay, yeah, sure. But you can actually launch a very successful side business, side hustle, something that either you know you're trading time for money for and, and you know and that's fine or creating something that is digital or or a combination thereof creating something that's a bit more scalable and you don't need more than a, a handful of people i mean if you had a particular skill and you had a bunch of people and you thought you could teach this for 500 bucks which by the way is not a lot of money when you're creating a course a lot of courses these days are selling for thousands of dollars but say you do something for say three or four or five hundred bucks and you get ten people wow, there's five grand, like, and then rinse and repeat. I mean, you don't need to do it very often to make a significant chunk of change. Mm -hmm. And if you've got 100 people or 200 people, very, very quickly, the numbers start to stack up. And, you know, it's like, um, it's exciting. It actually becomes very addictive, um, sadly. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, and I, th and I think it's, it's the wave of the future, right? Like as people are staying home more and mm -hmm. going out less, because even if things resume to normal down the road, it's going to take some time and this can happen again. Right. And then, so, and then what, right. So this is the, it's not a question of if it's a question of when yeah. it's always been if, sorry, when, yeah, yeah. 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 So, so one question for you is, mm. you know, you, you asked me to, I, I want to know what this means, but what's the decimus rule? So earlier I was making mention of having multiple streams. And so, you know, the word decimal means in tens, right? Mm. So my decimus rule is you've got to always try and create a portfolio of at least 10 streams because the Pareto principle says 80%, 20%. Then, you know, at least out of those 10 streams, you're going to probably get two that go away and two that grow. So you're looking at about six that are probably going to be stable at any point in, in your journey. So my decimus rule was always that you've got to try and for every finger you've got, try and at least create a revenue stream. Imagine if each one of these was worth like a couple hundred bucks or 500 bucks or a thousand, like 10,000 bucks mm -hmm. is pretty much most people are set. Yeah. You know, and I've always heard the number four for some reason, but you're, you're, you're 10 Xing it basically. And you're saying we're doing 10 streams of income. Yeah. But you know, and it makes sense. Now here's the question. I don't know if you know this answer, but like is one, mm -hmm stream of income real estate or is one house one and then your second house is the second and your third one is your third or is real estate kind of 
bunched up in one and then your courses are another one and then your like paper assets are the third one? I would, uh, I would look at them closely. I would probably treat all of the real estate as one stream, but I would also treat the independent properties because they're not going to be the same. Right. Right. They're going to have unique challenges and so on and so forth. And then other uh, revenue streams within the model would be something I'd probably consider, like I said, real estate to be a big, you know, big stream in itself and made up of sub streams. The only reason I, I look at 10 different streams and um, they don't have to be 10 completely different markets. Like, Mine are many cases, mine are like books and courses, right? That's the category. So um, I would I would say, yeah, you're probably looking at um, one stream per house or one stream per small portfolio, maybe as you say, any of the other financial uh, models that you put in place. But I'd just try and diversify a little bit, mostly because if anything happens to the real estate industry, it's going to affect all of the streams that are in that category. So that would be the only reason I'd split it up. I wouldn't, this is just my general rule of thumb. I wouldn't really want to try and put too many into, um, into say all of them, but that's just me. Yeah. You know, like as you're saying this, what I'm thinking probably makes sense is like real estate could be bunched into one. However, you know, like for, for students that, that work with me, there's going to be your nest egg strategy and then there's going to be your quicker cash strategy. So, so maybe there's two, right? One is like your, your, your birth strategy or whatnot. And then you hold on to those and then you get the cash flow mortgage pay down appreciation. And then your second one might be, you're doing some JVs and those have like five year exit strategies where then you can have some quicker cash or three year strategies or whatnot. And maybe they get split into two of the 10. And then your third one is, you know, maybe your paper assets and your fourth one is, I don't know, maybe you take your RSPs and you loan it out on mortgages as an example. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I mean, you probably get into, to 10 pretty quickly, <laughs> but it is, I do agree with you. It is important to, to diversify as much as possible because if, if one thing gets cut, at least you're not stuck. Right. And it is really cool to say that you've quit your job and you are in control of your, your finances and you can live the life that you want. I mean that, you know, that's, it's the goal, I guess, you know, for many people. So. Well, that's freedom. Right. And it, a lot of people, um, when you talk to people that haven't really sat and thought this through and you say, you know, what do you want? And they say, oh, I want to be rich. No, they think they want to be rich because they think a ton of money will actually solve their problems. Sometimes it does, most of the time, if you know what you're doing. But usually if you ask and you listen properly, what they want is the freedom of choice. You know, I know a lot of people who are very successful and they could have stopped working years ago, but they do it because they love it. They now have the choice. It's like when you get up in the morning, do I get out of bed because I have to or do I want to? Then the other thing is, it's like, what's what's your number? You know, say, I want to be rich. Okay, well, what's your number? I've actually figured out that my number is about two million bucks in, in cash. I don't, I mean, great if I get more than that, mm-hmm. but two million dollars cash sitting in a bank somewhere, I could stop working uh, the way that I traditionally work and I could live off the interest if that's what I wanted. Now, that's just me because I don't have particularly high costs or anything else. And that number may change as things are going, but you never know. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't have to be lots and lots and lots. And that's, by the way, that's another neat thing. Um, two million bucks in the bank will throw off a certain amount of interest. But if you create a handful of courses and they're throwing you off a thousand bucks a month, well, if you annuitize that back up and apply what the, that's the equivalent of sort of an interest payment, it's like I've got somewhere in the order of about half a million dollars worth of, it's the equivalent of about half a million dollars worth of money sitting in the bank on one, one sort of course stream. Yeah. I mean, I, that's how it, that's how pretty much the same deal. And I get to create more courses. It's just like throwing another hundred thousand dollars in the bank. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. That's awesome. Thanks. Thanks so much for sharing all of this information. I mean, I could keep asking you questions about yeah. this, but you know, ultimately <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll move on to the next part, which is our lightning round. So I'm going to switch these questions up a little bit just to make it mix into the topic that we discussed a little bit more. So I'm going to ask you five questions. You can give me the first answer that comes to mind. I mean, you can expand a little bit, but keep it short and sweet. Ready? Got it. This week's lightning round is brought to you by Complete Properties. If you need a great property manager to help you in the Niagara, Hamilton, and Burlington markets, reach out to Margaret Cameron at 905-920-7886. She can also be reached at margaret at complete pminc.com via email or the website completepropertiesinc.com. All right. Question number one, Mm. what is your favorite book that talks about side hustles or creating this, this type of income or, or business book? Multiple streams of income by Robert G. Allen. All right. Awesome. I don't know if you're a podcast listener, but do you have a favorite podcast? Seth Godin's podcast, I believe, although I haven't listened to it lately, so I don't even know if he's still doing it. So, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Awesome. I'll be too busy. Number three, what is your favorite pastime? What do you do for fun? Oh, this is going to sound really lame. I actually like to program. I I really do. I I take on challenges that I wouldn't necessarily get paid to do. And then I try and write code to solve it. So it kind of, you know, teaches me new things at some point I get to use in the future, but yeah. And I like to write ride what motorcycles uh, okay i was like bicycles <laughs> all right cool cool <laughs> all right number four if you lost your money and your assets tomorrow how would you start again hot dog vendor really interesting yeah or a short order cook i like to cook right see so i probably would go and become a short order cook and then i'd take the money and buy myself a hot dog stand and then i'd leverage up and get a chain of them and i've given some thought to this oh, interesting all right cool number five if somebody has fifty thousand dollars and they want to figure out how to create passive income and, and more so- streams of income what do you think they should do with it to start don't spend it yeah because a lot of people they, they get silly when they have money right the best thing about creating a course is to try and create a course with literally no money spent other than buying the base equipment that you might need if you've got a phone and a microphone you've pretty much got enough to start build it See if you can get a bunch of people to try and buy your course and then spend some money, maybe making it better and making some advertising, but don't spend that money on your course. Not initially, you know, figure it out the hard way because you will then be so much smarter about how you spend that money and you'll know where and what to spend it on. All right. Awesome. Great advice. Where can listeners find out more about you or reach out to you? Jamesburchill.com. All right, cool. Any final last words of advice, anything else to, um, that you'd like the listeners to know about? Yeah, I know maybe the idea of creating a say a, a sort of a side hustle or an online course or anything, a book, something digital might seem a bit overwhelming, but I would strongly encourage you to spend some time. If, if you say you don't have time, I would simply say ditch some TV because, you know, most people have time. It's just a question of prioritizing. And as, you know, um, Sarah and I said earlier in, in the interview, this isn't a question of if, this is a question of when. And if you are able to create a small stream and it throws off 200 bucks a month, 300 bucks a month, that's a bill payment. That's a car payment, you know, and then just keep doing it. It's incredibly addictive. And I would so much like to see everybody at least create one side hustle, something just to add a little extra money because it starts to make you believe that freedom is possible because I'm here to tell you it really is. Well, she knows. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> it really is. Awesome. Thanks so much, James. Thanks for being on the show. And, and guys, you know, the different streams of incomes. And I like, I like your 10. Figure out what your 10 streams of income are. And, you know, you, it doesn't have to be tomorrow that you're going to create all of them, but no. build towards it and, and get started. And I'll tell you that, you know, whatever happens to different markets, the real estate market, if you have something else on the side, you're going to be much more comfortable. And, you know, I think that's a, that, that was a big thing. Like, yes, I've replaced my, my income with real estate investing, but I, I'm very strategic and I, I, I look at risk very carefully. And if I was going to leave a job and it was just my real estate, I mean, it's good, it's doing well, but I needed to have that additional cushion to boost it back up to say, okay, if something does happen and, you know, I, I'm, I'm quitting my job in the middle of, you know, with a whole pandemic right now, essentially. But ultimately it's because of those additional streams of income that I'm like, you know, my portfolio supports itself. It's going to support me. That's great. But in the bad times, I'm still going to have some other additional options to help me, you know, keep going. And I'll tell you that like, that is a, a big reason. It's, you know, it's a great thing to replace your income with real estate investing and, and you know, your, your short-term cash flow from Airbnb really helps. Obviously the cottage really helps in a few different things. And, and that's, you know, that's one thing, but plan for the bad and, and plan for the downturns as well so that you can take the waves. Good advice. Awesome. Anyways, thanks very much, James, for being on the show. My pleasure. Thank you. Hey guys, before you go, I wanted to ask you a question. What's stopping you from starting or growing your own real estate investment portfolio? I know for me, before I started, I had plenty of reasons and at the time they all seemed very valid. But as I started my journey, these reasons slowly fell away and eventually only one reason remained. What was actually stopping me was having a proven, actionable, repeatable system. I didn't have that. And the way that was going to change was by investing in myself, learning, listening, and looking for ways that worked. And also, most importantly, discovering what didn't and not making those mistakes again. Fast forward to today, I now have a proven, repeatable series of action steps that has enabled me to build my seven-figure portfolio consisting of multiple homes, and I'm able to manage that in two to three hours a month. Is that something that you would want? Well, I've actually taken all the knowledge I've accumulated and put that into a comprehensive step-by-step -step online program. It's called Rise, and it's a program that will help you from where you are now to where you want to be faster and with less of the headaches that I had. So it consists of all the templates and the resources that I use, plus over 40 instructional videos that you get lifetime access to for just a small one-time investment. And you know, my recommendation is to make the time now to invest in yourself and grow your portfolio to seven figures so that you can bring your retirement dreams closer. If you want some more information about Rise, just go to sarahlarby.com forward slash R-I-S-E to access more details and book your spot. Thanks so much for listening to Where Should I Invest with your host, Sarah Larby. Make sure to listen in next time. We'll catch you on the next episode of Where Should I Invest.